Him. Jesus, I worship You and I praise Your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are mighty, O oh God, and I love You. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. I worship You. I praise Your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, how we need You, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Let me extend also my thank you to Pastor Paul and his son Emmanuel. Thank you for being with us these past few weeks. And um, there is something that transcends language and it's called the spirit of god let me remind all of you that the dispersion of language or the confusion of language came from god so god knows exactly how to undo the confusion of language and the spirit of the almighty god is what unites us for he breathes the breath of life into each and every one of us making us a living soul. Doesn't matter where we come from. Doesn't matter what our skin color is. Doesn't matter what our cultural background is. He unites us all in His Spirit. And I am so thankful for that. So thank you. And I honor your service to the kingdom. It's also very exciting to me to, to look around and see how God has been so good to us in allowing us to see the results of His work around the world, even here in our own congregation. As you look around, there are all kinds of different language groups, cultural groups, nations of origin, and God has been so good to us. And I am so very thankful, particularly since I was involved with that, asking for him to do that. And, um, and then watching him do it step by step. And obviously you as a congregation had to participate in and have had to embrace that. But it is a privilege and an honor for God to be able to do. And we get just a little taste of heaven, just a little taste of heaven, because the scripture tell us that in front of the throne, they're not going to be sections. Every kindred, every tongue, every people will stand united in a single voice, praising the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise God. So I'd suggest you get comfortable practicing that down here because if you don't practice, you're going to be out of tune up there. So we're going to practice it down here so we're in tune up there. Amen, amen. Before I preach to you this morning, I did want to mention one thing also, and that is that uh, we had two of our pastoral team meet the district board, and they have been granted, according to the district board, unless the national organization does something different, they have been granted local license with the United Pentecostal Church International. And so, Sister Debbie, if you would please stand, Sister Debbie Pierce and my wife, Regina. They both met the board. And I am proud of both of them for the work they've done in preparation. Obviously, with both of them, if the district board, I'll say it now, but if the district board had a problem granting them license, they were going to have a problem out of me because both of these ladies have had a long, long trajectory of ministry that is not something new. And it is just in current circumstances that both of them, for different reasons, felt it was time 
to approach and receive the official sanction, if you will, and validation of licensure with the United Pentecostal Church. But they were both unanimously uh, voted through, and so we're proud of both of these ladies, and we thank them both for their previous service to this congregation, and in the case of Sister Debbie, your future service. Obviously, Regina has decided she's going to stick with me, so her time is also drawing to a close here as well. Amen, amen. I'm proud of both of them. I am looking forward to the opportunity of signing the licensure application of a man. All of my applications that I have signed have been for women, which I do not feel guilty about at all. In fact, I wear it as a badge of honor, um, but I have. I've signed twice for Sister Leela, and um, I, I don't know. She says I'm somehow involved. Maybe I'll sign for her third one, or maybe I won't. Maybe somebody else will. Um, oh, I, I'll sign for you if you want me to. Uh, I'm proud of her as well. And then, of course, I signed for Sister Rachel Lugo in her ordination. And, uh, and then uh, I have now signed for uh, Sister Debbie Pierce and for my wife. And so I'm, I'm privileged to, to be a part of taking us back to our roots. Many of you do not realize that the roots of Pentecost were not only to break down racial barriers, but also broke down gender barriers. And it is high time that we return back to those roots. And uh, I thank this congregation for being a part of that process and embracing that and allowing us to be a part of that as well. Praise God. All right, on to the word. And I appreciated Pastor Paul speaking about the gospel because that, if you'll give me my title slide, baby doll, that's my daughter who's running AV. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about the gospel. But I have a tough task because I want to talk to you about the gospel, but I also want to talk to you about the effects of the gospel. So on the one hand, I want to give you the opportunity to embrace the gospel. If you've not been able to embrace the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, then I want to introduce you to that today. But I also want to challenge the congregation here today to understand that the gospel not only provides opportunity for salvation, but it changes our marching orders. We don't get to think the same way we used to think. We don't get to act the same way we used to act. We just are transformed. In fact, Paul puts it this way. He says, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. And we know that's a process. And so thank God for the process. Thank God for his patience, his grace, his kindness towards us. But it challenges us. And I'm going to deal with that right in the context you ready for this? It's my last chance to do it right in the middle of politics. You all know what Tuesday is, right? And I know it's the midterms, and so we don't pay as much attention to midterms as we do the presidential elections. But we stand in a unique season that I want to remind and challenge us that above all else, we continue to allow the effects of the gospel in our lives so that we act like Christians. Can everybody say amen? amen. And I'm going to do like I always do and take you to Scripture. That's how I preach. I don't just bring you my thoughts because my thoughts are just my thoughts. But when I bring you Scripture, now that's something that's got some more power to it. Amen? We believe in this place in the Word of God. We don't believe in our culture. We don't believe in our opinions, even though we all have them, by the way. In fact, 
if you get to know me, you'll find out I usually have about three or four for every topic. I don't have a problem having opinions. But opinions are something that you hold on to. You even think through, you even engage with your brothers and sisters, but they are not truth. But Jesus said, thy word is truth. And so today we submit ourselves, we humble ourselves before the truth of the gospel. We humble ourselves before the truth of the word of God. And so I'm going to try to balance these two things of talking about the gospel and the opportunity that all of us have because of the gospel, but then also challenge us to continue those of us particularly that have been serving Christ, that we be reminded of what that gospel challenges us with, what it calls us to. So I'm going to start with uh, what most scholars think is the earliest gospel, Mark chapter 1, and, uh, and read you two verses there, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. And for those of you that don't know, that there would be the word gospel as well. Gospel means simply good news. That's why I don't know how to preach about Jesus without being excited, without being happy. I don't know how to preach the gospel to you that it's a way to escape hell, even though hell is real and you do want to escape it. But see, when I preach from hell, that sounds like bad news. Last time I checked, anytime somebody told me about hell, it, it wasn't, it didn't make me feel very good. So I don't know how to preach the gospel that way. I, I, I probably preached that way when I was a young preacher, but I don't know how to preach that way. I'm here to tell you that God wants to take you to heaven. I'm here to tell you that God wants to love you. God wants to redeem you. God wants to save you. God wants to make you what you were intended to be. I'm here with some good news. I don't have bad news today. I have good news for you, and it's the gospel. And so Jesus came, and the scriptures tell us that he came, and he was preaching this good news, this gospel. And the words that Mark tells us that he used in verse 15 are, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent, turn away, turn around of your sins and believe this gospel. Believe the good news. Now, here's our first challenge. Because there has never been a more challenging time to believe good news than now. We're struggling. We're struggling as individuals. We're struggling as a community. We're struggling as a nation to believe. We all are aware that we're being manipulated by all kinds of forces who have figured out that bad news makes them more money. Anybody with me? I'm not talking about your news source. I'm not talking about who you're listening to or who you are. I'm talking about across the board, bad news makes more money. And America's gone down that rabbit hole. We're down into the bad news. I'm here this morning to tell you that where sin or bad news doth abound, God's grace doth much more abound. I got good news. I don't care what happens in the elections. I don't care what happens in the evil in this world where sin doth grow. And oh, by the way, sin is growing. But where sin doth abound, the grace, the mercy, the love, the kindness, 
the gentleness, the goodness of God doth much more abound. Don't get your eyes turned to the wrong places. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And as the song says, the things of this world will fade away as we look at his wonderful face. If you haven't heard about this Jesus, if you don't know him personally, I encourage you that you engage in a relationship with him. You give him a chance to work in your life because no matter what challenges you face, no matter how the brokenness is present in your life, I got story after story after story. I don't have a story about speaking to an elephant and I don't have a story about speaking to a snake, but I got story after story where brokenness was made whole by the gospel of Jesus Christ, where sin was washed away by the power of the name of Jesus, where the miraculous occurs when everybody thought there was no answer and no hope, but the gospel was able to meet the needs. God has promised that he would not abandon his people. And Jesus came declaring 2,000 years ago, that time has come. So if it had come then, how much more has it come now? This gospel is God's answer to brokenness. Now, yes, you're going to need to turn away from sin. You're going to have to let him touch your life. You're going to have to let him look at you and say, nah, I don't want you acting that way anymore. You have to let him say to you, you don't want to waste your time in the Communist Party. I, I can already tell, Pastor Paul's a motivated man. I bet he had a whole path charted out of what he was going to do on behalf of his people as he felt best. But God sometimes walks in and goes, hey, I got a different plan, Sister Wendy. I'm sorry, it doesn't match yours, but I'm God and I know better than you. So the gospel does come with a few strings attached, okay? But it's still good news because the last time I checked, my best laid plans don't turn out well. Anybody with me? I, I, I mean, I, I'm a planner. In fact, I'm a really good planner. I am like an excellent planner, but it still don't turn out the way I wanted it to. But God's plans, I mean, he speaks things which are not as though they were. I mean, the moment he speaks, he says, let there be light. Guess what? There's light. It was darkness, but he spoke and there was light. What happens when that kind of power gets spoken into your life? This is good news. This is not bad news. This is good news. Jesus came declaring good news. A lot of the Pharisees didn't like him. Jesus, you're, you're cavorting with all these bad people. See, you got to understand something about Jesus. Jesus likes bad people. Said, what do you mean he likes bad people? Are you saying God likes sin? Nope. Jesus likes bad people. You know why? Because Jesus knows that he has the power to take bad people and turn them into good people. He knows, he knows how to work together sin and brokenness and all the horrible things that we have had done to us and that we have done to others. He knows how to work them together and produce a product that is beautiful. So Jesus likes bad people. We humans don't like bad people. By the way, you know who you don't like is the people that aren't like you. Because your version of bad is just being human. Their version of bad is being evil. Oh, 
Now, now, for those of you that don't know me very well, I'm, I'm, I'm turning a corner on you a little bit. Watch me. Watch me. Don't, don't amen too quick, because if you amen too quick, I'm going to have you. I'm gonna, the hook's going to be in your jaw, because I'm after you. I'm about to challenge you as a Christian. Because we, we look at everybody that's the other for whatever reason from ourselves, and we impute to them the worst that can be. But God doesn't do that. God says, that's the problem with you humans. You walk in, and you see that bald-headed guy back there, Stefan, and you just start judging him. By the way, I've known Stefan since I was a kid, so I I get away with it. He also might come beat me up like he did when I was a kid, but anyway. No, actually, he didn't beat me up, but I did see him beat some kids up. We had some fun days back there, didn't we, Stefan? I won't tell any of the stories if you don't tell any of the stories. Deal? Well, I kind of already did tell a little bit, but we look on the outside. See, Jesus looks at Stefan, and he don't see Stefan on the outside. He knows the hurts. He knows the pains. He knows the sorrows. He knows that internal being that is masked by the external being. We judge our brothers and our sisters. We look at one another based upon all these external things. And by the way, I'm not telling you that God won't clean up your external. Aren't you glad God can clean up your external? But that's not where he starts. That's not what he judges us on. He doesn't look at our face. He doesn't look at it. He says, that's your problem, people. You judge by the external. But I look on the heart. So I've learned that a good policy, and I'm if I'm going to be a a, a, a person who receives the blessings of the gospel is that I need to assume that every single person, no matter how I perceive them, in the hands of the Almighty, is a good person. And if I know what the gospel can do for me, then that means I need to treat them the way that it's going to work for them too. I'm not going to judge them based upon what they're doing right now. I'm not going to judge them based upon what they look like right now. I'm going to judge them based upon what God can do in their lives. It is a totally optimistic way. That's why we are bearers of the good news, not bad news. We're bearers of the good news. We're bearers of the transformation and the power of the Almighty God to change lives. Remember, I'm here to talk to you about the gospel. But the gospel is not just about me. See, too many times we Christians, it's about me. I need what I need. And then once I got mine, I begin to forget about everything else. But the power of the gospel is for me, but it is for more than me. It is as he works in my life, he wants to then work in the lives of others through how he works in mine. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 14, and number seven, verse number 17. The Apostle Paul, talking about this kingdom of God, which, by the way, Jesus comes preaching the gospel, preaching to us about that the kingdom of God is here. It is coming. It is present. It is growing. It is appearing. He says the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but instead... The kingdom of God is living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
You are in a spirit-filled church. Now, if that wigs you out to our dear guests, we are glad you're here. We don't want to wig you out. We don't want to be weird. But I got a newsflash for you. We're weird. Not only do we believe that God lives inside of us, literally lives inside of us, but we actually believe in giving him control of our tongue and our lips and letting him speak through us in a language we do not understand. Say, well, I'm not sure I'm, I'm excited about that. I know. That's all right. You don't need to be. Because the point isn't speaking in tongues. The point is letting God work in your life. Pentecostals have made that mistake some, so we need to cut that out. The point is not speaking in tongues. It is not a quota of how many times you speak in tongues. If you speak in tongues, you know, every single day, you're not more powerful than the one who speaks in tongues once a week. Paul would correct you very quickly and say, you're missing the point there. It's about the operation of the gospel within our lives. And the gospel is brought to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then that means that when we have the gospel present in our lives, when God is working to make us a new creature, old things passed away and all things become new, we should start seeing a life that's characterized by goodness and peace and joy. And it's not dependent on whether our neighbors are good and peaceful and joyful. Your neighbors, your brothers and sisters, could be a complete pill. Doesn't matter. Because the work of the Spirit in our lives, the work of the gospel in us, brings to us the ability through the Spirit to live a life of goodness and peace and joy. In fact, another passage says, it's a joy that passeth all understanding. It's unspeakable. It's full of glory. Sorry, peace that passeth all understanding. And the joy is unspeakable and full of glory. You see, there's, there's, a, there's an element that we can't explain it because it's the work of the Spirit. But the way you know the gospel's in your life and is working is you see it showing up. You're loving your enemies. You're blessing those that curse you. Now, I'll be honest with you. I never learned how to beat anybody up except with a broomstick. I don't know, Stephanie, if you were around when I did that. I beat one kid up. You remember that, Steve? You may not remember that. Yeah, I beat the tar out of Sean Stike. God forgive me. Broke my glasses, and I went out the cabin with a broom in my hand, and that was a bad move. Never saw a big kid that always terrorized me run so fast than when I was swinging that broomstick. That's me. I never learned to fight real well, but I'll tell you what, you cross me. I'll find a way to hurt you. Now, all of you that are judging right now, I might be leaving, but I've been here a long time. I know you well. Don't be sitting there being pharisaical. Your form might not look like my form, but you all have your own lack of godliness. You cross me, I'm gonna, I'm, you're going to pay for that. You cross my kids, you cross my wife, you cross, I'm going to make you pay for that. That's my carnal nature. That's my broken nature. That's the spirit of this world. That, by the way, is what's going on in our politics right now. 
Now, I'm not worried about America. I'm worried about the Christians who live in America acting like Christians. Because you see, I know enough from the scriptures that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It matters what's going on in the church. Oh, I can take you back into so many history stories, so many places where God's gospel works. It don't matter who's the emperor. It doesn't matter who's the president. It doesn't matter who's in control. It doesn't matter whether it's evil or it's good. It doesn't matter because God works in the hearts and the minds of individuals. So today, my concern really is not. I want America to be in good place. I went and already voted. If you have it, go. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. America, it's your obligation to go vote. Well, I don't know who to vote for. Vote anyway. Say, well, what do I do? Push buttons. Have fun. Say, that's irresponsible. It's irresponsible not to vote. Go vote. But don't think that God is not sitting on the throne. Don't think that the answers to this world's problems lie within our politics or within our nation. No, no, no. They lie within the church, and they lie within the individual members of the church who let the gospel work in their lives so that when people spitefully use you and abuse you, you bless them. You want to transform the world. Work out the Sermon on the Mount. Live it out in your lives. And by the way, you can't do that on your own, but you can when you let the gospel work within you. Oh, you can love people that you would normally hate. You can do good to people that you would normally despise and abuse. You can be a blessing to people that you would never think you could be a blessing when you let the gospel work within you. I'm here to somebody who maybe life has been pretty dark. And you're like, man... I'm so tired of the darkness. I'm so tired of the depression. I'm so tired of being overwhelmed. But I'm also here to challenge folks who you know that God can answer you and be there for you, and he has been there for you. But you got to remember that there's still a carnal man within you that wants to be selfish, that wants to do his or her own thing, that thinks they're right in their own eyes. The Scripture gives us a great mantra, let God be true and every human being a liar. I don't come to you this morning with my opinions. You notice that. I come to you with the Scriptures. Everything I've said to you thus far, I have said to you from the Scriptures. And by the way, if somehow I don't say it from the Scriptures, don't obey it. But thy word is truth. Verse 19 of this same passage, Paul makes this statement. He says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Now, we did really well through the pandemic. We did. You realize the pandemic was quite a split. America split all over the place. We did pretty well. But we could grow some more. We did pretty well, but we can continue to strive to do better. Is harmony your goal? And by the way, harmony does not mean the absence of conflict. For all of you conflict-diverse people, go back and restudy all the lessons about constructive conflict, 
versus destructive conflict. Harmony does not mean the absence of conflict, but harmony means the absence of tearing one another down. America is tearing one another down. It is an optimum time for the church to shine. And not shine because we all belong to the same political party. Not shine because we all have the same opinions. But shine because there's something we value more than our opinions, more than our political affiliations, more than how we voted. We value one another more than anything. You matter more than anything else. You are my brother. You are my sister. And absolutely. Nothing can come between you and me. Even if you don't choose that. There's power in the gospel because we can live according to the gospel even if our brothers and sisters are struggling to live according to the gospel. Sister Wendy can be a Christian even when I'm not. And that doesn't excuse me from being a Christian, but it doesn't excuse her when I'm not a Christian that she doesn't have to be a Christian. Husbands and wives, can I break some news to you? Your spouse is not going to be what you want them to be all the time. There are going to be some broken moments. It doesn't excuse you from being a Christian. You can be a Christian despite their unchristianity. You can love them despite their lack of love in that moment. Why? Because of the gospel. You can't do this on your own, but when the gospel comes, the good news of the power of God in Christ Jesus to transform us and to make us new creatures, now we've got hope. I'm not here to, to in any way condemn anyone who struggles with depression, but the answer to that depression is the gospel. And I didn't say that it's going to go away. You might have to answer that depression every single day of your life. But the good news is you have an answer for it every single day of your life. And if you've got to answer it every single day of your life, you've got a group of people who will walk with you in answering it every single day of your life. We're not going to abandon you. We're not going to condemn you. We're as if you don't know God. Because where sin doth abound, where brokenness doth abound, grace doth much more abound. So goodness and peace and joy and harmony. These are all products of the work of the Spirit. John chapter 13, Jesus speaks to his disciples. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Now that'd be good enough, right, Brother Keith? Okay, love each other. By the way, if you ever want to be called out in the sermon, let me tell you the trick. Sit on the front rows. If you don't want to be called out, don't sit on the front rows. That's true. I always find Rachel, no matter where she's at. I always find Brian, too. Brian can sit anywhere, and I always find Brian, because he always gives me, a, gives me a good look whenever I, whenever I call out. Sister Lynn gives me a good look, too, but it's not so good. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. That'd be enough if you stop there, Brother Keith. But he didn't say that. He said, as, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Holy mackerel, that's a whole other form of love. My love of Steve, I mean, he's got limits. Ruth's is a lot further than mine, but, you know, I've known Steve since I was eight years old, okay? I mean, this is, this is my bud. I've, I've known him a lot of years. 
This guy showed up at key points in my life that have meant something to me. I love him. I'll put up with all kinds of stuff. He's a musician. He's an airhead. I got, I got one right there. I got another one I'm married to. I mean, I know about these musicians. They're amazing, but they're also like, good Lord, Steve. Can I get an amen, Ruth, or is that going to break the marriage up? All right, all right. I got an amen. It wasn't a verbal one, but it was a wave of a hand. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not just your human ability to love. No, you're going to love a new commandment I give to you, a new standard I give to you. The work of the gospel in your life will cause you to love someone the way that I have loved you. Holy mackerel. That's a love that knows no end. That's a love that gets up every morning and does it again. That's a love that shows mercy and grace and kindness again and again and again. And the good news is you can't do that on your own. But if you let the work of the gospel in your life, if you let the Spirit operate within you, you can love the way Jesus loves. Which is why there's a few people that are Holy Ghost filled, Jesus name baptized, that need a refresher in the operation of the gospel in their lives. And my comments here, remember, the power of the Internet is, is that when I preach here to you, I'm also preaching to others, and I don't know where it's going to go. So give me a little license here that even if it don't fit specifically this congregation right now, that I speak to a large audience. You cannot hate people. Period. No ifs. No ends, no buts about it. Well, do you know what kind of sinner they are? I don't care what kind of sinner they are. You cannot hate people. You cannot hate people. It is impossible for you to hate people because if you hate people, that will cause God not to love you. Please hear me, my dear brothers and sisters. You cannot hate the opposite party. You cannot hate somebody with a lifestyle that you know is sinful. You cannot hate people with a different culture. I don't care what happened to you. I don't care what kind of racism you experienced. You cannot hate people. Now, the good news is, is if you're struggling with that, the gospel can address it. But you're going to have to let the gospel address it. You're going to have to let the Spirit of God work inside of you to remove that brokenness out of you and to replace it with a godly love that knows no boundary. Jesus went one step further. He said, not only am I giving you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Hey, church, the more sinful the world is, the greater opportunity we have to show them that we are Jesus' disciples. Stop hating people and start loving people. Say, well, i got to stand up for righteousness. No, you don't. Righteousness stands up for itself. Love people. Forgive me. I am incredulous. i got to stand up for God. Really? Think that through. He who has 
no boundaries, knows everything, has all power. You are going to stand up for him? He needs you to defend him? What kind of lunacy are you talking about? Well, that's the only way I can prove my righteousness. Oh, there's your problem. Because this gospel is not about you proving your worthiness. It's about you being bought with his blood. It's you being made righteous by his sacrifice. It's you being made a Christian, not because of your performance, but because of his performance in you. That's why I'm here to tell somebody this morning, I don't care how bad your sin is. I don't care how depraved it is. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't care what preachers have told you that there's no way God can love you. There is nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Say, well, then is everybody going to heaven? That's going to be up to you. Will you let the good news, will you believe? Will you let him work within you? But you cannot hate. And in fact, our greatest witness is going to be how we respond to those that we don't like. Those that we don't understand. Those, that's why I love this church. Because we're all such a mixed match of all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds that you can't, you can't go around here. Nobody's like anybody. We're bumping into one another constantly. What language was your father speaking this morning, Brother Emmanuel? Tamil? Anybody in here speak Tamil? Awesome. We don't have a foggy idea what he said. We got to trust that Emmanuel had it straight. And I noticed Emmanuel had notes. Make sure he got it straight. Make sure he got it right. It's okay that we don't fully understand one another. I've worked with people in this church that I have known for decades, and I still get it wrong at times. It doesn't matter because it's not about performance. It's about the work of the gospel in our lives that we keep loving one another, and we will not stop loving one another. We just keep loving one another, and love, oh, love, love never fails. Love never fails. Jesus understood this. It's why he said to his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment. It's not really a new one, but you guys have implemented it so poorly that it's new. I told you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I told you to love your neighbor as yourself, but you've botched it up so badly that I'm going to tell you it's a new commandment, and we're going to try it again. Don't love the way you thought you were supposed to love. Don't love the way the Pharisees taught you to love. Don't love the way that you thought. No, love the way I have loved you. <laughs> All right, let me, let me rush on. So the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatian church. We, we think it's probably his first letter. And he describes to them what happens when you live without the gospel. He describes to them what is present with your sinful nature. Now, here's what, when I read it to you, here's what I want you to get a hold of. 
When you see those things showing up in your life, don't be condemned, but recognize that in that moment, you're not being Christian. Now, don't, don't, don't condemn yourself. Don't, don't speak ill of yourself. God's grace and his mercy, his kindness, repent. Turn from those sins, as Jesus said. Believe that Jesus still loves you. Believe that he can save you. But don't call it righteousness. I'm flabbergasted by how many Christians are calling the works of their flesh righteousness because they're employing them to stand for righteousness. You can't do that. If any of these are present, you ain't being righteous, even if you're standing for righteousness. Look at them. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, now, those are all important, but I'm not going to dwell on them right now. Idolatry, sorcery. Everybody button up. Hostility. Quarreling. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Division. Park right there. It doesn't just matter what you believe, it matters how you conduct yourself about that belief. Don't you tell me that you love babies and don't want to see them aborted. And don't show love and kindness and mercy and grace to the people who don't know better and who find themselves in a place in which they may have or may be in the process of making a bad decision. If you deploy any of these attributes while standing for righteousness, you are not righteous. And I don't have time this morning to preach it to you. But if you go study out, why did Jesus reject the Pharisees? It was not for what they believed. It was for how they conducted themselves with what they believed. We must be known by love. Now, why am I preaching this way? Because there's a whole lot of Christians that are hostile. We got a bad rep because we're quarrelsome. We're jealous. We don't know how to keep our anger under control. We're selfish and ambitious. And we divide. And by the way, in the political sphere, we're being used to divide. And you know you got a geek for a pastor. This isn't the first time a crafty politician has used Christians to try to divide or unite an empire. A little fella named Constantine. You ever see any of his busts, you'll know what kind of ego he had. His heads were huge, literally huge. 
He manipulated Christians before. That's where the doctrine of the Trinity came into place. Because when all of these are present, not only is righteousness not being stood for, but it is the perfect recipe and environment for untruth to be birthed. Not here. Hear me, Newark, not here. We're not going to act that way. We are going to be known by our love. Yes, we can stand for truth, but it better be with gentleness and meekness and kindness. It needs to be with love and care and mercy and grace. Because when these are present, it's our old sinful flesh coming up. And by the way, anything that feeds these, you need to cut it off. Don't let it talk to you. I told you I was going to have to thread the needle this morning. You all get to decide whether I did it or not. Sister Jackie's not here today, so I'll have to ask her if she watched online and can tell me whether I kicked the pail or not. I only got a few more sermons, so you realize I'm getting to the point where I really don't care as much. So I might kick the pail a whole lot, Sister Wendy, and not really worry about it because it's not like I worried about it before when I was staying. So, you know, since I'm leaving, I might just kick the pail for fun. I'm not trying to because my message is important. We need to be Christians above all else, known to the world by our loved one for another. And Paul goes on, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, that's why I'm talking to you. Because why Jesus come? He came preaching the gospel and saying, the kingdom of God is here. Repent, turn away from your sins, and believe this good news. But thankfully, Paul didn't stop there, right? Verse 22, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. You don't produce it. The Holy Spirit produces it. That life of goodness and joy and peace, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit is what's going to produce this within you, okay? But here's, what, here's how you know you're on the right track. The Holy Spirit produces in us the following kinds of fruit. And we've all studied that it might be that it's producing love, and then all the rest are just different attributes of that love. But let's leave it as it is now. It's going to produce within you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That includes your social media account. That includes your conversations with fellow like-minded people. That includes your conversations with people that you cannot figure out why they think what they think. I love this congregation. Because you rise to the challenge of the word. If I'll bring you the word, you rise to the challenge of the word. Does everybody notice what I brought you today? I've just brought you the word. You cannot be haters. You cannot be dissension and division people. You can't be envious or jealous. You can't be self-centered. And when you are, believe the gospel. Because if you'll believe the gospel, the work of the spirit will battle out of you the works of the flesh. And it will produce within you the fruit of the spirit.
Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. So musicians, if you would come. Here's my message in a nutshell. If you find within your life a lack of love, a lack of peace, a lack of joy, the gospel is your answer. Yeah, there are specific things, and right now, I don't want to focus on that today. I want you to simply realize that if you'll believe that God has come to bring to you good news, everything else will unfold. And the second part of my message is to all of us who maybe have become comfortable with the blessings of the gospel and have been distracted because our lives are so good, God has been so faithful that we have been caught up in that carnal nature that's still within us, that has to be crucified, that has to be put down. And all of you been through discipleship classes. Remember who your greatest enemy is. It's not the devil who's manipulating the world. It's not the world that's appealing to your flesh. Your greatest enemy is that broken sin nature. It's your flesh. And we are living in a season in which the devil is having havoc in our world. But where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Where there's darkness, light shines brighter. Where there's so many sinners, Christians stand out even better. Let's be Christians. Refuse to walk according to the carnality of your flesh. Give God the opportunity to work in your heart and your mind and to produce within you that fruit of the Spirit. That then lets you prove. I love that word. It's not just argue. Prove. Jesus said you can prove it. Oh, I love to prove stuff. You all know that. I love to prove stuff. I love it when it's airtight and I can prove it. Jesus said, if you want to prove to the world that you're my disciples, show them how much you love them. What? Well, I don't like them. I know. Half the time I like Wendy and the other three quarters of the time. Wait a minute, that doesn't work. We can think back, every one of us. If you spent any amount of time here, you can think of a time where you didn't like me part of my job. <laughs> Lil doesn't like me like three or four times a day. Megan or Ash are learning not to like me three or four times a day. Sister Debbie's just so stinking sweet. I don't know if she likes me. I think she wants to every once in a while, but she's been so godly so long that she just keeps putting it down. It's not about our carnal nature. That is to be crucified. That is to be put down. That is to be rejected. But we can do that because of the gospel. You can have love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness in your life 
by submitting to the work of the gospel. And I can prove to the world not only my love for Jesus by my love for you, but I can prove my love for him by my love for them. Let's go be Christians. And if you're here today and you're not sure if you're a Christian, come join us. Say, well, I'm not sure what that means. I know. None of us ever did. The Spirit started working in me when I was six. I promise you I didn't know what was happening. I lied and cheated after that. But God kept working. Say, well, I, preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm shacked up in a relationship. I'm not, I'm, I'm, man, that immoral, that immoral thing was getting me. That's all right. Come join us. I got confidence in you, and I got confidence in Jesus. You'll figure it out. We got druggies in here. We got same-sex attraction people in here. We got people that were shacked up. We got people that have gotten the Holy Ghost and went home and sinned almost immediately. One of them's a pastor's wife. She's not here today. One of them's a pastor's wife. This gospel's awesome because there's nothing too big for it. There's nothing that can't be overcome by it. And you can have goodness and peace and joy, all of the fruit of the Spirit, if you will believe this gospel. So today, I ask you, want some gospel? I want some more gospel. So I invite you to stand. I invite you to fill these altars. And let's give God a chance to speak into our hearts and our minds. Let's give them a chance to work the gospel. I know a lot of you like to stay in your pews. Today, I want you to come forward. If you got to sit, if you're old and infirm, you get the front pews. See what I did there? If you sit on the front pews, you're old and infirm. Come on. Let's give, let's give the gospel a chance to work in our hearts and our minds. Let's, let's, let's let him, in this season where we're about to exercise our, our duties of, of voting and there's all kinds of nastiness going around, let's let Jesus make us pure of heart. Let's let him cleanse us and make us holy and pure and righteous. Come on. Jesus, I love you, Lord. Oh, I worship you and I praise you. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters, Lord. I, Oh, Lord, I don't know how to love like you love, but, Lord, whenever I give you a chance to work in my heart and my mind, it begins to transform me. Oh, mercy and grace begin to show up. Kindness and gentleness begin to operate within me, Lord, not because I know how to do it, but because you do. Oh, the gospel, the good news, the good news of God working in our lives. I worship you. I praise you, Lord. Oh, we magnify your name, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We glorify your name, Jesus. Oh, we magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I worship you, Lord, not because you're worthy, but because you're worthy. Oh, I praise you, Lord, not because I'm righteous, but because you're righteous. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Purify our hearts and our minds. Purify our hearts and our minds, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 
Give us mercy and grace towards ourselves, even as we struggle. Yes, do your work in our midst, Jesus. We praise you. We magnify you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. I magnify you, Lord. I worship you. I thank you for your work in my life. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. Oh, I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you and we praise you, Lord. We glorify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, there's a beautiful presence of the Lord in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a beautiful presence of the Lord in this place. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Yes, we magnify you, almighty God. We love you, Lord. Oh, we magnify and praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you and we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We praise your name, Lord. Oh, we praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. By the way, I forgot something. A few years back, in case any of you missed it, I took two flags out of here. I took the American flag out of here, and I took the Christian flag out of here. I am an American and very proud to be an American, but this is not an American church. I am a Christian and very happy to be a Christian, but this is not a Christian space. What replaced it? It's staring at you. All. I want everybody welcome in this place. Because it doesn't matter who they are or where they're coming from. When the gospel touches them, it'll transform their lives. So I want no barriers. I'm not ashamed of my country, and I'm not unproud to be an American. But I am first and foremost a Christian. That is why Pastor Paul and I, who cannot understand one another, we are brothers in Christ. Because we are first and foremost Christians. We are not first and foremost Indians or Americans. No, we are first and foremost followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stick with that. If you all don't, I'll come back and haunt you. I don't know how, but I will. I promise you. Don't stick them back up. Put them in other places. Honor our service members in other ways. But this is a place for all people. Church, say amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.